Hello and welcome to the Practical Leadership Podcast, where I interview great leaders and try to extract their wisdom and experience for you to learn from and hopefully avoid making their mistakes. Check out practical-leadership.academy because you want to help your new managers succeed with hybrid or remote working. Molly Johnson-Jones from Flexa, thank you so much indeed for joining me. Thank you for having me. So you were a veterinary assistant. Back a very, very long time ago when I was 15. You grew up in a dairy farm. I did, yeah. Grew up in a dairy farm. My best friend when I was a kid, his family had uh, all the best Frisians you could ever possibly ask for. Place stank, but it was a stink of warmth. And we had big Coke bottles full of raw milk every day. Marvellous. Kilos of cheese. Kilos of cheese in the fridge. Unbelievable. Um, Litres of ice cream. (laughs) So, and then when you grow up, you want to have a home for old dogs. That's what I still want. And that's what I'm aiming for when um, we eventually, hopefully, sell Flexa. That is my dream is to be able to own an old dog's home. Any particular breed? I know just all of the dogs over the age of nine that people don't want to adopt because of all of the insurance difficulties and the fact that people want a puppy. I just want to bring them all into a home and have enough money to be able to look after them. Well, if you need anybody to give you a hand in that, just let me know. I'll be out there walking them every day. All the volunteers be brilliant. Uh, totally. I'll be right up there. Would you then, apart from my kind of sojourn off into the animal world, animal kingdom, would you, would you introduce yourself a wee bit for me? Absolutely. So currently not working um, in the animal industry, but um, I'm Molly. I am the CEO and co-founder of Flexa Careers. And Flexa is the global directory of verified flexible companies and what that means is we enable people to find their ideal companies based on working environment so whether it's remote first with the option of a dog-friendly office and flexible hours or hybrid one to two days a week with flexible hours so you can pick up your children from school put those filters on and all of the companies that match exactly that will come up so um i'm a senior executive unilever for example how do i become certified as a flexible working space what do i need to do so the company itself um someone in maybe employer brand or dei or talent acquisition or hr generally um will come to us and say hey we think we're flexible um can we join flexa and we have a two-stage kind of benchmarking process the first one is very objective it's a sort of quiz that we've built based on millions of different data points that assesses a company against the market and the company needs to score above 50 percent, so above average um, in terms of flexibility to be eligible but we don't just take a company's word for it. So all companies on Flexa have been verified by employees. So then a second, uh, more subjective quiz is sent out anonymously to a statistically significant sample of employees. They take that and that's ranking a company in six different areas, the six areas that through extensive research we've understood to make up flexibility. And that's location, hours, benefits, work-life balance, Um, senior leadership role modeling and trust and autonomy as well and each employee kind of rates that on a sliding scale we compile all those averages and that becomes the flex score which is the basis for a company page on flexa so you basically just told our audience how to create a flexible 
organization. Exactly. Based on those six areas, they're the, they're the key areas to focus on to create true flexibility. Now, you're the CEO of Flexa. What was your journey to becoming a manager of people in the first place? Definitely um, didn't expect to be doing this when I left university. Um, I studied geography at Oxford, um, a notoriously useful degree, um, and went straight into investment banking and equity research, where I worked for about two years. The reason that I left investment banking, which I thought was my dream career, was because I was sacked. Um, the reason for that is I've had, I've had an autoimmune disease since I was 18 which sometimes means I, I can't walk back then. It was about, about once a week where I literally like physically couldn't stand up, had to like put cushions on the floor to be able to get to the bathroom. I couldn't come more properly. Um, so obviously couldn't get into an office and they said, oh, well, we're open to flexible working requests. So why don't you ask to work from home one day a week? So I did. And 10 days later, they put a settlement package in front of me, sacked me and told me to leave immediately. And I was like, well, weren't really open to flexible working requests. Then were you? <laughs> Should have, should have just avoided a, avoided all of that hassle. But then I went into um, obviously looking for a company that would enable me or empower me, allow me to work from home one day a week, which back in 2016 wasn't normal, but it was impossible to find that information. So I started working, went in to lead a uh, food retail research team um, in a market research company. Flexibility was allowed, like I wasn't sacked for it, but it wasn't encouraged. Like culturally, it was very unusual. Um, then I moved into strategy consulting. It was exactly the same, you know, why are you working from home again? And I was like, oh, my illness doesn't just go away. <laughs> it will keep cropping up, sadly. Um, so again, it was allowed, but it wasn't it wasn't culturally accepted. And then I eventually um, moved to be a strategy consultant elsewhere in fintech, actually. And um, it was just I found a company that it was it was a total cultural shift I was able to work from home two days a week come in a bit later if I didn't feel well and no one asked any questions and I was like gosh this is such a change it's amazing how much of an impact that can have on someone's life I was didn't feel guilty anymore I was getting less sick as well because it's obviously you're not in that kind of vicious cycle of not being able to control your working environment um which then got me thinking you know why aren't these companies shouting about this I didn't know about it until I got there um and why are thousands and thousands of people going through this and this was pre-pandemic um why are they going through the same process as me like why is this so difficult which led us to that I met Morris who's my partner as in romantic partner and business partner and um he was working at a flexible company as well and he was like I feel like it would make sense if we solve this problem given that you have it from a personal perspective and he understood it from an employer perspective um and we launched three weeks before the pandemic which obviously Three years later, pretty pretty amazing um, growth in terms of the demand for flexible working and the supply of flexible working too. Well, that's an interesting journey. <laughs> okay. Oh, by the way, we can we can arm wrestle over who's got the most useless degree. <laughs> What's yours? I have a master's in Scandinavian studies. That might, you might win. <laughs> it's kind of like having a degree in chocolate sculpture. You, you <laughs> say it to people and they say. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, uh, what do you do with that? <laughs> What's that for? Yeah, my wife says it's a degree in tobogganing. <laughs> so you, you've you've gone through this this uh, heck of an experiential journey. I mean, that's that's a founder story and a half. I mean, that is a founder story and a half and three quarter. 
And your first one, they said, oh, we're open to flexible working requests. And they were. They didn't lie to you. Yeah, just they were say, and as soon as you make one, we'll kick your arse out the door and don't let it hit you on the way out, by the way. Yeah. Here's a fiver for your taxi fare. <laughs> My goodness. But yes, it's, it's, and I must admit to being one of those crappy employers previously mm. who, when faced with the trying to build up a top-class team, I wanted to be in the office. Yeah. And I think it was a wonderful woman called Amanda Nolan, who's a, a great uh, consultant and expert in ed tech and L&D. And she was, she was giving me a really hard time about that. She gives everybody a hard time about stuff she doesn't like. She's wonderful. She's meet up, actually. Um, and saying that, well, if you want top talent, you have to go where the top talent is and let them work as top talent will. Because mm-hmm. top talent be, can demand a lot. And don't be such an arse about it. And I was being a bit of an arse about it. And saying, well, no, it's culture. It's values. It's bringing people together. It's trust. It's all that. And I do still think you need to have folk come together. I, do, I definitely I'm, I'm not anti I think when people hear flexible working they're like oh that means anti-office very much not I think remote and in-person work are fundamentally complementary and very important that's it it's about finding the cadence of that in-person and remote kind of that balance that works for you as a company mm-hmm. and then attracting the individuals that also agree that that is their balance too it's about matching that cadence so in the context of what I'm trying to talk about in this, in this um, podcast, if you are coming into an organization as a first-time manager and faced with trying to build this team remotely or hybridly or in any of the 27 different variants of flexible working that we can come up with, I'm sure you've got a definition, what would you advise someone who's all of a sudden in this position? I think... Probably the most important, but also most difficult thing to do is try to objectively look at output. I think we'll assume that if somebody doesn't want to come into the office every day or when they're told to, that might be four days a week, whatever, um, that they're less committed to their role. And I think that's a really legacy belief just because go back three years and the default was five days a week in the office. And working from home was associated with people who had other commitments and needs outside of work that maybe would potentially detract from their ability to do the job, which is definitely what I came up against. And I think now that we're in this new sort of way of working where there is more freedom and there is more choice, we need to treat people as adults and look at their output. And if that person says, my best way of working is, you know, three days a week in the office and two at home or within whatever framework you're operating um, in your company, as long as they are still meeting your expectations in terms of when they turn up, you need to look at their output and think, well, if they're saying that's how they'll get their best work done, then I need to believe that it is and only judge on performance rather than being able to see them and have a coffee with them and sit next to them. That doesn't really mean anything. I think as well, when you have, when taking on this uh, management role, in a flexible working relationship because I think it's more of a relationship than an environment really and you mentioned cadence there rather than balance we talk about the home life balance it's it's a it's a credential thing it's really a, there's a rhythm and you need to you need to try and create I think as a, as a as a manager who's trying to put something like that in place there's 
you have to be really, really good at managing. Yeah, and you have to be really good at managing expectations as well. And I think getting them, managing them, following up on them, getting the output, and being clear about when. Because you had crappy managers or average managers who could get away with it in an office. Yeah, but they can't now because yeah. it's measuring performance has shifted to being so output based. Um, and I think for managers that are you know managing people for the first time in flexible environments. It is exactly as as you and I both said, like it's about managing expectations and being super clear. I think what a lot of companies and managers fall down on is they won't be super clear about expectations. They won't be really clear about the, the framework within which there is freedom. So like if you really want people in the office two days a week, but you're going to offer flexibility in terms of coming in, so you can come in at 10 or you can come in at eight and leave at four, be clear about that. Because people need boundaries in order to be able to exercise their own freedom. They need to understand within what framework they can operate because total freedom gives people anxiety. It makes people worried about what they can actually do. Being clear about it um, and putting that on paper and saying, like, this is what we expect of people. And around that, you've got total freedom, you know, just to get your best work done. That is the way to nail managing somebody in a flexible environment. I did an experiment in my last uh, last big role where we had uh, open vacations, you know, unlimited vacations. We it's tracked awesome. it. Yeah, you know, we still tracked it. And guess what? The average number of vacation days people took was? Dropped down, I'd say, after that as well. Probably. Yeah, we, we, yeah, they did. On average, it dropped. There was a couple of people who took like 30 days, but the peak was like 26. Yep. We were offered 25 corporately. And people were taking the 20. So I changed it and I said, you need to take at least 25 because that's the, that's that's on the docket. Yeah. It's exactly your framework there. It's like kids. I mean, um, if, if, if you're listening and you have children, you know what I'm talking about. It's framework and boundaries and expectations and more expectations and just a few more expectations. And people love that. Yeah. It helps people to thrive in an environment where they feel that they have choice and that is really important obviously setting a framework where it's like five days in the office nine till six that's not really going to make <laughs> but giving people a, a framework of that minimum expectation saying around that you exercise your choice you do you we trust you and feeling trusted <laughs> about it is incredibly important for people to be able to perform at their best yeah. and to to remain engaged as well like it's one of the key um factors in employee engagement is feeling trusted i think you get a sense of care as well it's almost like a duty of care, but you get a sense of care that, oh, you can do what you like. It's open. It's free. You just, you do. And what I hear from that is I really don't give two craps about you. I haven't even bothered thinking through what you can and can't do. I'm just going to let you do whatever you want because then it's less work for me. Exactly. And I think it's helping people to understand, well, encouraging people to see that you have created an environment that you've really, really thought about and that you have tried to make the best possible, both for your business in terms of achieving those goals and or team potentially achieving those goals, but also for the individual. And I always talk about it. It's, it's about creating an environment where you offer maximum choice within a framework that takes into account business goals. Help us out with uh, a how-to then, okay? So yeah. you mentioned at the, 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 the top here, you have your Verified by Flexa. You can see the big sticker there behind you. If you're not watching on YouTube, you should be. Um, 
Although I did say that I have a face for radio earlier on, and it's, I'm, I'm not wearing my makeup, so I apologise. Um, Verify by Flexa means that you have a number of points that you have to tick off. Yeah. That's fine. How do I go about... We, we, we talked about how do, you, how do you... What are these elements? That's fine. What's the most important one or two? How do I go about starting? What's really going to make a difference? Because everything, you know... Everything you do starts with the eighty percent is uh, makes a difference. Starts with the twenty percent of effort. What yep. did that do to make the biggest difference? Uh, first of all, set I think the the minimum commitment to flexibility that you're going to offer in terms of hours and location. So you could start off with something that you're super comfortable with, isn't going to make you worried. So that might be you can work two days a week from home, and our core hours are going to be ten till five. That's your minimum commitment to flexibility. That's what everyone gets. Um, and people can come into the office more or work more set hours, whatever they want, but that is your minimum commitment to flexibility or maximum choice if you flip it around. Then once you've got that set, communicate that everywhere. Make sure people know it, make sure in your onboarding processes you are reiterating that, make sure it's on job descriptions, your careers page, make sure every manager knows that that is happening and that if somebody does want to only come into the office two days a week, then that's fine. You cannot see that as them being less committed so culturally it needs to start to be communicated and then the next two most important things first of all is that senior leadership need to start role modeling that even if senior leadership's default is i want to be in the office five days a week i'm working nine till nine like i know so many founders do um making sure that even if you do want to work and like i'm definitely guilty of being online all the time but i go to the gym at lunchtime i walk my dog and I show people that I do that. And I show people that sometimes, you know, I'm not feeling so well, like with my autoimmune disease, and I will be less communicative, but I role model flex the flexibility that I need, which means that it becomes much more culturally accepted and people feel comfortable in working flexibly. And it becomes part of your culture much more quickly if senior leadership are embodying it. Um, and then the final thing I would say is to make a step into creating that genuine flexibility is make sure that you lead with trust. So don't assume that somebody is going to break your trust. Let them break it if they're going to, and you'll be surprised because they probably won't. It was uh, Ronald Reagan's thing when he was talking about the uh, Soviet disarmament, trust yet verify. Yeah, exactly that. It's let, let people let people operate in their own way and you will actually be surprised by how hard they will work if you've hired the right people. Well, that's it. You know, hiring right, I think it's rid of 85% of your people problems. Yeah. Which is a challenge. And which means that you should be talking to Flexa. Absolutely. Yeah. Transparency is the way to ultimately hire people that want to work in the way that you want to work. I speak to so many people and they're like, I went through four hours of interviews and then I found out that I have to be in the office five days a week. I've wasted my time. I've wasted their time. Like, what was the point of that? Let people make an educated decision about whether or not they want to work for you because then you are going to hire better matched people and you're going to be able to retain them better as well. I mean, you see job ads and they're poking about and stuff. You see job ads saying hybrid working environment, you know, uh, 49 and a half hours in the office and half an hour fag break. Well, yeah. not quite. I'm exaggerating, but not much. Yeah, and then they think that that is... That's super flexible. It's not. The crap. Try again. Yeah, okay. What are you working on right now? In the business at the moment, we're thankfully 
not fundraising we raised last year um kind of early summer of last year so we're in a good position from that perspective um which i'm every you know every founder will relate to the fact that it's incredibly time consuming um and sometimes very stressful um we've actually just finished our big hiring drive so that's also nice um because again hiring the right people as you said is so important but it takes an enormous amount of time and we don't have um like a people team it's all done by us as hiring managers uh, so we're in a very nice period, actually, where we get to focus on growth, which is something that I really enjoy having proper time to do without distractions. Was there a particular event or mistake that taught you the most? I don't think there was one particular event. I think managing people has taught me a lot about myself. Um, and I think it's understanding, you know, why I've historically managed people in the way that I have and why that's all shifted. And I think interestingly, um, probably the thing that's taught me the most is that often the reasons that you get frustrated with people or you react badly to situations is either because it's a reflection of a trait in yourself that you might like less or not want to face or it is because you've worked so hard doing the opposite that that's almost become part of your identity. And so you push back on people that don't work as hard on that. I mean, for founders in particular, I mean, I've dealt with an awful, awful lot of entrepreneurial CEOs and nobody is as passionate as you. Nobody works as hard as you. Nobody cares as much as you. And one of the hardest things, I think, and I coach people on this, is to recognize that that's actually okay. It's normal. Like you literally, there is no one who has as much at stake as a founder. Like you've yeah. probably given up a, a decent job with much more earning potential than you currently have. You are working more hours than you ever did. And you probably left that previous job because you're like, I want to do my own thing. And I want people to stop telling me what to do. And actually investors tell you what to do. Your clients tell you what to do. You probably get told what to do by more people than you ever did before. But your entire future is tied up in that. You want to create something big. You care about it. There's probably a story behind it. And so ultimately, you know, your entire future and everything and what you've sacrificed is, is at stake. And so naturally, you have emotional, financial, situational risk attached to all of this. Um, and you wouldn't want any of your employees to be under that level of pressure. So don't try and make them feel it. It's good to hear. What would you like to thank young Molly for having done? Probably having a pretty high risk tolerance, <laughs> I think is probably the biggest thing. And I've had that since I was probably a, a teenager, I reckon, and saying yes to as many opportunities as I could, sometimes too many. Um, and I'm always kind of guilty of uh, sometimes kind of taking on too much and losing direction but I think that that gave me a lot of resilience um, and ability to keep pushing forward even when things are difficult. Is there a particular method you use for prioritization for getting to the nub of things choosing? <laughs> there probably should be but um, no I'm much more sort of intuition based which is why thankfully i've got a team that is less like that and they're much better at prioritizing through you know rational rational arguments um and data and reason but um a lot of the kind of 
steps and moves that we made in the very early days were led by like what felt right. And I think that's useful to have that as a steer. But yeah, you always need a team that has different traits to you, I think, as a founder. But my lucky pin says that this is the right method. (laughs) Exactly that. Thankfully, that doesn't really happen anymore. (laughs) And lastly, as we wrap up, what are your coordinates? How can people find you? Where should they go? Um, find me. I'm a bit of a shameless um, LinkedIn influencer, so please do follow me to hear all things about flexible working and being an entrepreneur who also happens to be female, um, because it is a very different experience, I think, um, for women kind of running businesses. Um, and in terms of Flexa, if any companies are like, oh yeah, I do, do have a flexible working environment, but I'm not really shouting about it. I'm not using it to my advantage. Um, then just get in touch because it's pretty cheap um, and very, very uh, low effort to get onto Flexa and start shouting about that and really reap rewards. And as somebody who works flexibly, my wife works flexibly, it's uh, it's a thing and it's not something you can find. It's not something you can just assume or presume that in any organisation. No, definitely can't. And I think Lots of companies, we sit on LinkedIn at the moment, 68% of companies have ticked the remote box. Mm-hmm. And then you go onto um, those job descriptions. And apparently, someone's done a lot of extensive research, only 18% of them are actually fully remote. <laughs> so you mm-hmm. can't trust what you see. Molly Johnson-Jones, CEO of Flexa, hopefully future dog home owner, but uh, Diane of the Flexible Working Office. Thank That's you great. so much for joining. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining me today. Your homework is to leave your five-star review and please, any comments you have, you really help me to improve every day. And it also helps people to discover me online. You should check out practical-leadership.academy because you want to help your new managers succeed with hybrid or remote working. Thank you